Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Week 18, the final week of the regular season. The Colts still need a win to get in. There is another scenario. I don't even know if we really want to go through it, but there's like another scenario with other teams losing and us getting in. But you're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, so I don't even really want to entertain the idea of us losing and rooting at 4 o'clock or rooting at 8 o'clock on Sunday Night Football to backdoor our way into the playoffs after back-to-back losses to the Raiders and to the Jaguars. So let's just go out, beat the 2-14 and 14 Jacksonville Jaguars, and get into the playoffs. What do you say, Jason? The Colts come in at 9-7 and seven into the final week of the season, fighting for a playoff berth, and the Jacksonville Jaguars come in at 2-14. and 14. They have won two games. Two games since week one of last year when they beat us. They go the rest of the season 0-15. They are 2-14 and 14 this season, so they are 2-29 and 29 since beating us week one of last year. We beat them week 17 of last year, and here we go, an opportunity to get our first win in Jacksonville since 2014, and it's a meaningful game. There are playoff implications on the line for the Indianapolis Colts. The ultimate no-excuse game, Jason. No excuses. You absolutely cannot lose this game and it really should not be competitive at all in this game week 18 against the Jaguars yeah I'll make this simple not going to talk a lot about it you don't win this game in my opinion I don't care what happens 425 you don't deserve to be in the playoffs if you can't go on the road with everything to gain against a bad team that's two and 14 and you and you can't win that game then you don't deserve to be in the playoffs even if we make the playoffs I would tell you we wouldn't we don't deserve it because if you can't win that game that, that that speaks volumes about you as a football team. And, it, I mean, it just it is what it is, though. Like you said, no excuses. Just go get it done. Yep, it's simple. No excuses. Go out, get it done, get the win, go to the playoffs, period. And let's start off on the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. They come in 32nd in the National Football League out of all 32 teams, averaging 14.2 points per game. So just, just a tad bit over two touchdowns per game, no field goals at 14.2 points per game. They have turned the ball over 29 times. They've allowed 31 sacks. And I feel like that 31 sack number is a little bit lower than I would have assumed. You think back to the Colts in 2012, and we still went 11-5 and made the playoffs with Andrew Luck, but you would think that they would have an offensive line like that where Lawrence is sacked 42, 50, 55, 60 times this season, but that number is a little bit low. And you look at quarterback Trevor Lawrence, the first overall pick, and I said this the last time we played the Jaguars, and I'll say it again, and I said it going back to the draft last year, he was kind of considered the perfect prospect, but he was the perfect prospect as an 18-year-old freshman at Clemson. From his freshman year to his junior year, there was not a lot of growth. And there's a reason there's never been an 18-year-old quarterback or an 18 year old player in the National Football League because there's a lot of growth that needs to happen between 18 and 21 22 when you enter the NFL draft and you go pro in football and Lawrence just did not have a lot of growth in his college career he was a great college quarterback he was great as a freshman as a sophomore as a junior but he never really took that leap from his freshman year to his senior year or to his junior year before going pro and I really think that that kind of went under the radar, Jason, and we're seeing now 
going up against pros and playing on a bad football team, that being exposed. It was never exposed at Clemson because it's college football and the way he played at 18 was good enough to carry through where he didn't need to get better. Now you have to be better, and he just hasn't been. 3,418 passing yards, 10 passing touchdowns to 17 interceptions, and over their last nine games, two passing touchdowns to eight interceptions. He has been dreadful this season for the Jaguars. The Jags had the whole Urban Meyer experiment and firing the last month. So they have been a you-know-what show down in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence has had a very disappointing rookie campaign, leading the 32nd-ranked offense into the final week of the regular season. Yeah, they really did him no favors with the coach that they hired. And just for me speaking personally, I just would like to see them get a guy in there that knows what the hell he's doing to coach him because he is a talented kid. I, I don't think this is – I don't think this is who he is. I don't think he's just bad. I just think they had a horrible situation there, bad coaching staff, a head coach that was just a complete, just a loon, a lunatic, just didn't know what he was doing. So I don't, I'm not ready to like say I'm all out on Trevor Lawrence. I think he's going to be a solid pro if they get the right people in there. But as far as this offense goes, Luke, there's just not much here. James Robinson, unfortunately, I think he tore his ACL or had an Achilles injury. One of the two, I should know this, but I, I didn't look it up before the show, and I'm sorry. But he is out for this game, obviously. So he's out. Obviously, DJ Chark's been out. They've got a lot of injuries. Their offensive line is, is solid, but outside of you know Marvin Jones, who's got 66 receptions for 744 yards, three TDs, who he came over from the Lions, I think. He's been solid. And LaVisca Chenault, 58 receptions, 557 yards, no touchdowns. Outside of those guys, there's not a lot. Tavon Austin, who's on kind of his last legs, is is there. Hasn't really done much this year. Luke Farrell's played uh, tight end for them. I think Dan Arnold, Arnold is out. So they've got a lot of injuries. They don't have a lot of talent. They don't have a lot of explosiveness. They did have an explosive play in our first game that got them back in the game. You remember we were ahead 20 to nothing, I think, was the score. And we ended up winning 23 to 17. That can't happen in this game. We get a 20 nothing lead. This game should be nowhere near close. But as far as this offense, Luke, there's just not a lot here. Hasn't really played well all year. And, I mean, the numbers bear that out. So uh, they turn it over. They're not great. They're okay in pass pro, not great. And they really don't have any skill players outside of Jones that you really have to worry about. Yeah, it was an Achilles for James Robinson. So that sucks. And Achilles last week kind of kills next season for him, especially at that position. We saw Marlon Mack kind of come back towards the end of August. So I guess there's a chance he plays maybe week 17, 18 of next season. I don't think you have to worry about the Jaguars being in the playoffs next year. So very unfortunate well, Luke, injury last year. Luckily, they drafted Travis Etienne. You know, True. they they were going to move him to wide receiver, but now he can go back to, to running back next year True. if they if they don't have Robinson. So, yeah. And there's that. Speaking of Travis Etienne and that Clemson offense and everything I just said about Trevor Lawrence, I do want to reiterate I don't think he's a bust already. Like, I don't think his career is over. I think he has a lot of talent, but I think he went to the worst spot. You were better off going to the Jets, even though, because I think he has a lot more talent than Zach Wilson, who also has not had a great rookie season. But there definitely was something about him at Clemson where from year one to year three, he didn't get all that much better. 
And when you have an 18-year-old phenom step on and just explode onto the scene the way he did, and I think, didn't he win as a true freshman, win a national championship with that Clemson team? Yeah, and what Luke, you're making a great point. And I think one of the issues with him, and he had it at Clemson, and I, and I think he's had it in Jacksonville, is players like Trevor Lawrence, who basically are at a lot of guys' ceiling as soon as they come into college football. He's at his, you know, he he's already at a high level. Coaches don't feel like they got to coach him very hard, yeah. but that's not how it works. When you got an elite talent, you have to stay on them and coach them hard every single year so you can see incremental improvement. You're not going to see as big a jumps when you have a player as talented as him, but you're going to see incremental improvement. And like you said, there hasn't really been that, and especially this year. I mean. It's it's been a rough year for him and a rough go, and I think a lot of that, I'm not a lot of it's him. I'm not taking it all off him, but a lot of it is also the organization he went to. And I put some of this on the Clemson coaches and some of it on the Jags coaches on not coaching this kid hard enough. It's very clear to me when you see repetitive mistakes that you're not being coached hard enough. And I've seen that with him when you watch some of his play that he's clearly not being coached hard enough because when you see guys making repetitive mistakes, that's often the case. They just aren't being coached hard enough. They're, they're being let to do whatever with no accountability. I think you give this guy, you know, some, some structure, a really good quarterback coach, a good offensive coach, you'll see an improvement next year. I think, I think he's got all the talent in the world. I just, I think people have kind of let off on the coaching end of him because they think he's almost a, uh, like you said, like a finished product, but he's really not. He's not where he needs to be, so they need to keep coaching this kid hard. Yeah, and I'm but not even trying this- to – well, I'm not trying to even piggyback on criticism he's received this year because this season it's been obvious that he's deserved criticism and he's received criticism. I'm talking more about if we go back to – the draft when he was considered almost a perfect prospect but then when you look at his college statistics freshman year 15 games 30 touchdown passes four interceptions incredible can't get much better unless you have a joe burrow type senior season sophomore year 15 games 36 touchdowns eight interceptions double the interceptions but when you're at four there's really only one direction to go and he doubles it though to eight with 36 touchdowns, so six more touchdowns, four more interceptions, which ratio-wise would be bad. But then his junior year, only played 10 games, 24 touchdowns to five interceptions. So he goes from four picks in 15 games as a true freshman to five picks in 10 games. So in two-thirds of the amount of games, he throws one more interception as a junior. So I just think it's... I just think it's something that should have been talked about more during the draft. It was never talked about. Then he goes to a spot where there is no help, terrible coach, toxic situation, and we have seen what's played out play out through the first 17 weeks and hopefully continues into week 18 so we could get into the postseason. But now going forward, and this will be the last thing I say about Trevor Lawrence so we can move on, now going forward, unlike his freshman season in college where there wasn't a lot of room for improvement he's put together a rookie season where there's a ton of room for improvement so he has the opportunity to improve going into year two because he's still a very talented guy like you said and the last nine games eight interceptions to only two touchdown passes it's very difficult to do that it's tough to go six out of seven games without throwing a touchdown pass when you're playing the entire game every week but Jason let's jump into the keys to the game key number one you just basically said they have no playmakers now unfortunately Robinson goes on the 
IR for the rest of the year. He tore his Achilles last week against the Jets. They don't have any playmakers. Don't give up big plays. Key number one, no big plays. Yeah, and the reason why I included this was because in the last game against them, we had the same kind of uh, key, no big plays, and they went out there and gave up like a 60-yard reverse to their running back, their third-string running back. So that's why I mentioned this. If the Colts can stay away from that, well, you know, with a team like the Jags, as bad as they are on offense, if you make them have 10 to 15 play drives or even 10 play drives somewhere in there, they're going to screw up, meaning a turnover, a penalty that's going to set them back because that's what bad teams do. So if we can just not give up big plays, zero big plays in this game, we're going to be fine. Key number two, get off the field on third and fourth down. Very basic. We talked about this last week as well. We didn't do a great job at times of this key, including our final drive of the game when Darius Hunter jumps. When we have Carr pretty much dead, he jumps. Like in basketball, you tell guys to close out, don't jump. Get your hand up, don't jump. Leonard jumped. They move the chains on third and ten. They kick a game-winning field goal. Very important. Don't give them momentum. Don't miss tackles and let up and let them put drives together and drive, suffocate them, get off the field on third down. If they go for it on fourth down, get off the field on fourth down. Key number two. Again, yeah, it's it, I mentioned this one again because of the game last week. They were 50% on third and fourth down. The two biggest plays were on third and fourth down. The fourth and five play where they went for it at the end uh, to get to get the lead, uh, they get the touchdown. And then on third and 10, the play you referenced with Darius, uh, you know, they just make a great play. You know, Kenny Moore had a really rough game, man. They get that third down in the game. I mean, they basically just ran the clock down, kick a field goal, game's over. That can't happen this week. You got to get off the field against this team. They have no weapons. You should be able to strangle this offense. They have no – I mean, outside of Marvin Jones, they have nothing that scares me offensively. So the Colts just have to do what they do. They've been playing really good defense for the last month. They, they were not as good last week, but they were good enough. They, they just got to keep doing what they're doing play a better game this game than they did the previous game against the Jags. And and I think the way they can do that, obviously, is not giving up big plays the first key, and then the second one, getting off the field on third down and fourth down. Because in this game, I'm sure the Jags are going to go for it every fourth and short, because what do they have to lose? Nothing. So, Colts just got to get off the field. And key number three, play fast, play physical, play with great effort for 60 minutes. Playoffs are on the line, so there's no reason to take a minute off, to take a second off, to take a playoff in this game you play this game for 60 minutes with everything you have because if you don't you're going home and you're playing a team that's going home regardless so they have nothing to play for they will take plays off they will take quarters off maybe drives off plays off minutes off seconds off so you can't allow that to happen on your end because unlike the Jaguars there are actual repercussions for us if we lose this game for them, they go from number one to number two in the draft or whatever it might be. From two to one, they move up with a loss. Who knows? Because that's what they're playing for. We're playing to get into the playoffs. So the repercussions are much different if we lose this game. You got to put it all on the line because we're in a position at nine and seven where if you lose this game, you are most likely going home. If you win this game, you are 100% playing next weekend in the wild card round of the playoffs. So play hard for 60 minutes, Jason. Effort, heart, leave it all on the line. No doubt. And uh, again, 
just looking back to last week, I thought they did all these things, but they did not tackle well. So they have to tackle better this week. They got to play fast. They do that every week, physical. They do that pretty much every week and with great effort. You see that pretty much every week, although I thought they were a little flat last week with the tackling. It wasn't great. I think this week they'll be focused. They'll play like they always play. This is what the Colts do defensively. This is what the, that Flus has instilled in them. It's to always play fast, play physical with great effort and execute for 60 plus minutes. And they've done a really good job of that the last month. Last week, a little slip up. Still not a bad game by any stretch. They still forced two turnovers. But in this game, they just got to tackle better and just keep, you know, giving the same effort that they've been given and play playing the same way that they've been playing. They've really been outstanding since the Tampa game, in my opinion. So they just need to keep doing what they're doing defensively, and they're going to be fine. And flipping over now to the Jacksonville Jaguars defense, better than the offense, who come in 32nd out of 32 teams. The defense, 31st out of 32 teams. So one spot higher, and that's the team you're talking about. This 2-14 and 14 Jaguars team, 31st in defense, 32nd in offense. When you look at points per game, allowing 28 points per game, that is four touchdowns. They have only forced seven turnovers in 17 games. So... I'm sure we'll talk about that. Don't turn over the football because they're not going to take it from you. You have to basically give it to them for them to create a turnover. And 26 sacks. They are led by very talented edge rusher Josh Allen. 66 tackles, 5.5 sacks, 10 tackles for loss, 1 forced fumble, 1 interception, and 10 quarterback hits. He probably should be a giant, but the Giants have screwed up pretty much every draft since Dave Gettleman has been there. And he falls into the lap of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And when they drafted him... They still had a lot of talent on this defense. They had guys like Jalen Ramsey. They had a lot of talent. I think Calais Campbell was still there. Now all those guys are gone. There's pretty much no talent left on this Jacksonville Jaguars defense, or very minimal talent. But one guy, one shining bright spot on that defense would be Josh Allen. I think he's in, what, year three now for this Jaguars defense out of Kentucky as the Jaguars defense comes in ranked 31st in points per game, allowing 28 points per game. Yeah, they've got some pretty solid young players. They're still learning. They're a lot better on film than their offense, which I guess isn't saying much. But they're they're they've had some really solid games. The Buffalo game, they were good. They were good against us. They play much better at home, which I've noticed. But as far as like the rest of their their defense, uh, Dwayne Smoot's the other edge guy. He's got thirty five tackles, five sacks, six TFLs, one forced fumble, fifteen quarterback hits, and then. Old faithful linebacker Miles Jack seems like he's been there for 20 years. 103 tackles, three tackles for a loss, two quarterback hits. He is questionable, has not practiced this week, so I don't know if he's going to play. I would guess they're probably going to hold him out if there's if there's any reason that they'll just hold him out because they're not playing for anything and there's no reason to risk injury to a starting player. But other notable guys, they have Damian Wilson at linebacker. Rayshon Jenkins, he's been pretty solid, and Andrew uh, Weingart at safety. Andre Sisco, young safety out of Syracuse that they drafted in the second round, hasn't gotten a lot of playing time, didn't get any under Urban Meyer, has started two games since Urban Meyer was fired, so he's played some. And then at corner, they've got Tyson Campbell out of Georgia, who's a young player, and defensive tackle Davon Hamilton. So they've got some young players that, that are now getting playing time. Not great by any stretch, but definitely a lot more talented defense than their offense, that's for sure. And getting into the keys to the game for the Colts offense against this Jaguars defense. Key number one, take what's there. Don't force anything. They have only taken the football away seven times. They have seven takeaways. They force seven turnovers this season. So take what's there because they're not going 
to take the football from you. You basically have to give it to them for them to create a turnover. So take what's there. Take what the defense gives you. There will be a lot there. Take what's there. Key number one. Yeah, and Carson's been not great at taking checkdowns this year. You know, I've seen clips, I'm sure you've seen them too, where there's been plays that have kind of broken down and he's had Taylor wide open in the middle of the field and he just doesn't throw him the ball. He's got to learn how to just take what's given to him. That's a big issue that, that he's had this year. He has good stats and all that stuff. But if you look at the game inside the game, a lot of times where he's, you know, scrambling around, he's got guys either Hines or Taylor in the flat, and he just doesn't throw them the ball. And that that that's what I'm saying with this key here. Take what's there. If you've got Jonathan Taylor, you know, four yards up the field with nobody within 20 yards of him, throw him the ball. I mean, there was three or four plays in that Raider game where he just – he didn't even look at them. So – what I mean by that is just, you know, you're never going to go broke taking a profit. So just take what's there. You don't have to play hero ball. You don't have to try to force balls into triple coverage, double coverage. Just just do the sm- make the smart plays, make the smart reads, check it down when it's there, take the yards, move the ball. That's what we got to do this week. Hopefully he'll be better at that. Yep. Key number two, get playmakers involved in any way possible. We are 30th in the National Football League in – Yards after the catch. When you have a playmaker like Naheem Hines and you have a running back like Jonathan Taylor, if you get them on the field at the same time and you dump the ball to them, and, of course, we're obviously big fans of getting Taylor the ball and giving him 20, 25 carries in big games. Of course, we say that all the time. But to get him the ball and to dump it off to him is another way to get him the ball, and it's also a way to get him the ball while throwing the ball, which should make everybody happy because everybody seems to love throwing the ball so much, where he might not get the wear and tear of getting pounded as a running back if you could get him the ball a little bit more in space. Because between Taylor and Hines, our yards after the catch should be much better. We should be average. We should be somewhere from 15 to 20 with the current roster and personnel we have. Without Paris Campbell, because he can't stay healthy, we should be much better with the yak, and we haven't been. So get the playmakers involved. Get Naheem Hines involved, throw him the football because I think he only has like 260 receiving yards on the year. That's inexcusable because I'll be the first to admit, we don't have the greatest receiving core in the National Football League. It's probably the weakest position group because corner's been surprisingly good this year for us besides the Ravens game when everybody died on the field. Receiver's probably been our weakest position. But a lot of people are like, that's our weakest position, so don't blame Carson and don't blame Reich. And I'm like, well, it's our weakest position, so let's get other guys involved to make it a stronger group. Like Naheem Hines, who has the skill set to be a wide receiver in the National Football League, at least a slot receiver in the National Football League. So get him involved in the passing game. There's no reason he shouldn't have 500, 600 receiving yards. And most of that would be yards after the catch because he is a running back. You give him the ball, and he'll take off. So key number two Get your playmakers the ball in any way possible. You can tell we've done this show together for so long because you you, you were talking about exactly what I was talking about, which is getting the ball to Naheem Hines by any means necessary. Obviously, you know, Pittman's going to be out there. Taylor's going to be out there. You've got to find a way to make defenses prepare for Hines. And, and by that, I mean line them up outside, line them up inside, line them up at running back, line them up you know, at H-back. It doesn't matter. Just get him on the field. Because when you've got to worry about a 1,000-yard receiver, you know, an 1,800-yard rusher, 
And then a guy like Hines who can do everything, he can run, he can catch, he can do everything. It makes a defensive coordinator's job and a defense's job much more difficult. And I feel like we're doing a disservice to not only Carson, but the entire offense by not having Hines on the field for more more snaps, whether it's in the slot, whether it's outside, whether it's motion, whatever. It doesn't matter. You just got to have them out there because it opens up the offense because they have to worry about other guys. So playmakers, obviously Pitt, obviously JT. Naheem is the key to me. I think when we get him involved, we're a much better offense and a much more efficient offense than guys like Doyle, who I'm not sure how 100% he, if he's going to be 100% this week or Mo, but you know, always get Mo involved. I don't think we use him enough. Uh, I thought we started to use him a lot last year and then kind of stopped this year. I think he can make a difference in the passing game. And then T.Y., you know, and, and just everybody. We, these guys aren't bums. I mean, they had the, all the guys that everybody's saying suck were all on the team last year and had worse and, and had better numbers last year outside of Pittman. So there's something to, you know, the quarterback thing. He's got to be able to get the ball to these guys and figure it out. And so – while I agree that our receivers aren't the best in the league and it's probably our weakest spot, I do think there's talent within the receiving core and our tight ends and our running backs. Because I, when I think of receiving, I don't just look at wide receivers. I look at the entire depth chart as far as tight ends, receivers, and running backs. And I don't think we've done a, a great job of getting our best players on the field. And so Jason, back- also, wouldn't you say that this receiving core this year is better than last year's because of the emergence of Michael Pittman? Absolutely. So why are the numbers that much worse this year in Yak and all this other stuff? I would say because the quarterback doesn't get the ball off as fast. Right. And and we don't I don't think he does well with crossers like Phil was a killer with crossing routes and 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 drag routes and stuff like that. And Carson just does not throw those well. And so he doesn't he's not great at throwing quick, you know, quick strikes inside to the slot receiver across the middle or getting them the ball in a place where they can run. It's not his it's not he's not it's not his strong suit. Philip was definitely way better at that and that's mm-hmm. why the yak is down. You know, so I I just think they they have to play to their strengths, but I I really believe that that they have to figure out a way to get the best 11 guys on the field, especially skill player wise as much as possible. And that's why uh the key to this game, well key number 2 to this game for us is getting the playmakers involved because the more you ha- I think the more you get Hines involved the more efficient the offense is. When you look at the, the the full body of work, when he's on the field and plays well, the Colts usually play well. No question. And key number three, stay ahead of the chains, convert on third and fourth down. So defensively, you want to stop them. Offensively, you want to keep the chains moving. Key number three, move the chains, convert on third and fourth down. Again, something we didn't do well last week, especially third, fourth down we were fine. Third down we were terrible. Got to be better on third down. A lot of the reason we weren't good last week was because we were in third and seven to third and ten. And, you know, with this quarterback, that's not a great spot to be in. He's not the most accurate guy. He doesn't check the ball down much, so he's going to try to toss it down the field. And when he's not playing well, that's not a good thing. And that's why you get third down completion rates like you got last week. So, Definitely keeping it, you know, second and short, third manageable, that type of stuff under five yards to keep the chains moving. And look, in this game, it doesn't matter. We just got to get points. This team's not going to score a lot of points. So we just need to figure out a way to get points. Whether it's if we have to kick 12 field goals, I don't care. We just have to figure out a way to score in this game. This is a game where he doesn't have to really be too risky going forward on fourth down because the team we're playing against, they're just not going to score a lot of points. So 
definitely stay ahead of the chains in this game. Get first downs. You know, get, make sure your the, the third downs are not more than five yards because once once you're over five with this offense, we definitely have a much more difficult time, especially over the last month, picking up first downs. So that's that's key number three, man. We just gotta we gotta stay ahead of the chains. We didn't do it last week; it cost us. We got to do it this week, and if we do, we'll take care of business. And you know what time it is, Jason? It is time for our For the Culture predictions. I'll go first. I'm going Colts blowout. I think we blow this one open. I think Taylor has a big game as far as as long as we need him. I don't know if we ease up a little bit if it turns into a blowout blowout. Last year he had 255 rushing yards, I want to say. Something like that, right? Like 255, Jason? 250? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was, his, it was the best running day in, the Col- in Colts history. Yeah, it was insane. So... If he does something close to that, he'll near 2,000 yards because he needs 266. So I don't think he gets that high, but I think he's going to have a monster day. I think the Colts go down there. We get our first win since 2014. I'd much rather see Trevor Lawrence than, what's his name, Gardner Minshew. So I think we go down there. I think we win big. I think we head to the playoffs. If you don't, it's embarrassing, and the tone will be much, much different on Sunday night for the post-game recap, but as far as right now, pre-game, I'm going Colts blowout. I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be a blowout. A couple weeks ago, they lost 50-10, or last week, whatever it was, 50-10 to the Patriots, so that should be a similar type of game for us. It should be it should be 38-10, 44-10, something like that for the Colts, and we should go down there and we should blow the doors off them. No reason not to. All right, so here's 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 what I'm thinking. I have picked the Colts every year at Jacksonville, and they've lost every year since we've been on the show. Every year, last I year, the Colts last year included. Yep. One yep. in fifteen. The only, game, the, only, the only game they won is me picking the Colts. Every 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 year we've done this show, I have picked the Colts in Jacksonville. So I am absolutely not risking it this week. I am taking the Jags to upset the Colts. I can't pick the Colts in this game because if they were to lose, when I, if I pick the Colts and they were to lose, I would never forgive myself. So I'm taking the Jags just based on that. And if you know, you know. If you've listened to the sh- show long enough, y- you know. So that's that's my pick, Luke. I hope your I hope your pick is the right pick. <laughs> well, thank you. I hope your reverse jinx works. There are two other ways for the Colts to get to the playoffs. The easiest one, obviously, being Colts winning. If we win, we're in. The other two. A Charger loss, which would be a Raider win because the Raiders hold the tiebreaker over us. We need to get the Chargers out of there. So a Charger loss plus a Baltimore-Pittsburgh tie. That's a little bit unrealistic rooting for a tie in Week 18, especially because those teams will probably both be going all out in an overtime anyway. So I just don't really see how you would get a tie. And the... Last way of getting in, which is actually probably more realistic than that tie, would be a Charger loss, a Steeler loss. So the two teams they're playing are teams that we have lost to. So they're playing the Raiders and they're playing the Ravens. So Pittsburgh losing to the Ravens would just kind of get Pittsburgh out of the picture. And then same thing with the Raiders beating the Chargers, just get the Chargers out of the picture. So then we could slide in, and I guess we'd be the final seed. Oh, and a Dolphin loss as well. So we would need a Charger loss. No, a Dolphin win. We would need a Dolphin win. I'm sorry. So Charger loss, Steeler loss, Dolphin win puts us in. Charger loss, Baltimore-Pittsburgh tie. Doesn't matter what happens in the Miami game. Screw all that. Go out. Beat the Jaguars. They suck. 
32nd in offense, 31st in defense, 2-14 and 14 on the year, 2-29 and 29 since week one of last year when they beat us in Jacksonville. Since the last time we were in Jacksonville, they are 2-29 and 29 as a team. They suck. They stink. There's no reason to go down there and not come away with a win when we actually have playoff implications on the line and all they have are vacation plans for the first week, second week, whatever of January. So go down there, get the win. No excuses. If Reich's as good as everybody says he is and the defense is as good and Taylor and Leonard and Nelson and Buckner and there's no reason, no reason to lose this game. None. Yeah, and, and just so people know, we are relatively healthy. Uh, Xavier Rhodes will not play, but Buckner will play. I know he hasn't practiced, but he will play this week. So we're going to have everybody except Xavier Rhodes, probably Andrews and Deho. I don't know. He went on the COVID thing today, I think, or yesterday. He might play. Who knows? But either way, we're, we're, rel- we're pretty damn healthy for our last game of the year. So no excuses, man. And they're and they're they're without a ton of guys, and they suck. That's the biggest yep. thing. Luke said they're terrible. They're, they're so all, there's no excuses. And the funny thing there's is, no Jason, ex- we're probably healthier now in week eighteen than we were in week one. Oh, that's that's true. That's, <laughs> that's crazy. Crazy, crazy, but it's true. But let's wrap it up, Jason. Week eighteen, we need to win, must win, win, and you're in. No excuses to go down there and not come away with a victory in Jacksonville for the first time since two thousand and fourteen. And every year under Frank Reich, we've needed a Week 18 win to get into the playoffs. In years we've gone to the playoffs, 2018, we had that playing game with the Titans. Last year, we needed to win and get in. And we needed help from the Dolphins-Bills game. We needed the Bills to beat the Dolphins. This year, as long as we take care of business, it's kind of like 2018. We don't need help. But unlike 2018, we're not playing a team that's playing for anything. We're playing a team that's already on vacation. So... No excuses. That's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. I apologize that I didn't really have a voice tonight, but we got through it. And we'll be back on Sunday night, hopefully popping champagne, heading to the postseason for the third time in four years under Frank Wright. Right here on the Fourth of Culture Podcast.